0: Welcome to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford. Each week, we'll bring you a sampling of some of the best Catholic podcasts being prepared and shared out there on the internet. Catholic radio stations across the country produce some really great programming, which gets shared in the form of podcasts. Here at Catholic Radio Indy, we produce shows like Faith in Action, The Catholic Cave, rebuild my church and this program, the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler, that are all available in podcast form at catholicradioindy.org. In my search for podcasts to share, I came across a group of Catholic radio stations in Iowa that have some really well-done programs available as podcasts. So today, I'd like to share two offerings from Iowa Catholic Radio. First up is their program, The Uncommon Good. This episode... Sacrificial Leadership, Leading with Our Wounds, features Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Welcome, folks, to The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr. Every week, diving deep into the truth of Catholic social teaching and restoring all things in Christ.
1: The Uncommon Good is on the air. I'm Beau Bonner. I'm
2: Dr. Bud Marr.
1: We are coming to you from these United States of America, here in the middle of the country, Des Moines, Iowa, convergence of two rivers, everything you really need to survive, uh, where we both work at Mercy College of Health Sciences. I am the Senior Advisor for Mission Initiatives and Director for the Center for Human Flourishing. Bud, what are you up to at Mercy College?
2: I am the Associate Provost.
1: We have all sorts of fun activities. If by fun, we mean careers, uh, pathways to careers that will change your life and also change uh, communities' lives. MCHS.edu. We want to thank Mercy College for underwriting our show Bud, a whole slew of exciting things happening. We have presidential candidates running yeah. around. Yeah. Uh, we have spring break that just got over. We have uh, the Center for Human Flourishing has uh, our good buddy and all-star Charles Camosi coming to Des Moines April 6th. That's uh, at 6 o'clock at the Pastoral Center. But the bigger deal is if you go to mchs.edu slash flourish. When the event happens, we will have that live. What's some other things that I'm missing that are happening at the good old Mercy College that underwrites
2: our show? Well, if I could jump back to one, you mentioned the presidential candidates. And you know, doing interviews on the surface can sound kind of boring, but uh, I got to meet a few of those folks last week, and I was actually sort of energized by it all, just hearing Uh, you know, these candidates who I think are really interested in what we're doing at the college, but also like sharing their vision of what that will look like. So yeah, please pray for us. I think I can give listeners like an action step over the airwaves.
1: Yeah. It's not asking to get any money to anyone. So
2: (laughs) prayer is good. Yeah. Please pray for our work. I think it's great to have like a Catholic college right in the heart of Des Moines, Iowa. And so like we want to Be faithful to those, um, that great gift that's been given to us.
1: mchs.edu to check out uh, not only what all we're going, there's even a president search uh, bar over there, but also uh, just to see the 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 array of ways that we are providing um, people to enter into the health sciences field to be a part um, of our community. But like we said, mchs.edu slash flourish for the Center of Human Flourishing. And uh, April 6th, like we said, coming up here soon. But it is March, so therefore there is madness. Yeah, Um, no doubt. We probably shouldn't mention
2: how bad the Big Ten's doing. The Big Ten and the SEC both flamed out, but... The Big Ten looked particularly bad because the committee put in nine teams and one of them advanced to the Sweet 16. So I was like, man, I'm not doing that bad in my, my job. That's right. It's like the Big Ten could pull off one of nine that could advance past the first weekend of the tournament.
1: Now, I have. Um, so Bud and I have been in the same uh, tournament bracket for a long time
2: and is it's, that
1: going this year i
2: submitted one
1: yeah same okay. here yes yeah, so you yeah. can go and look what i what i think is happening at the moment bud is there's people who are in the lead because they have the most choices but they have the least points possible Uh-oh. so it's very interesting to see will there be a dark horse maybe for instance some kid from oklahoma that chose texas tech uh or will some of your longtime friends who are currently in the lead hang on for dear life yeah. uh in order
2: to take the prize well, my picks have always been very influenced by my um, fan fandom, my affections. <laughs> right. And so, like, in that, in that competition, I'm doing horrible because I think I picked Arkansas to go to the Final Four. <laughs> that didn't pan out. Um, but in the one, I'm in a neighborhood one. I lost Kentucky, and a lot of people lost them. And I still have Arizona and Gonzaga alive. So, well, they're in know. the finals in that, that one. There's
1: uh you know, there
2: there's there's always
1: hoping. There's always uh, everybody has their uh, their hopes dashed, but then we also always have the best of Cinderellas. We have to hand it to the Jesuits, right? Always figuring out
2: how to get people into the sweet sixteen that no one <laughs> thought about. If you if you just picked like Catholic sympathies this go around, it wouldn't have been too bad. Yeah. No. Like Villanova and Saint Peter's. Creighton almost knocked off K U, so yeah, Next and, year, I might just go all Catholic.
1: This should you should do. Know, that, that's, that's showing it up is that like, we don't have the faith. That's yeah. right. <laughs> well, folks, speaking of faith, you want to have faith in this series that we've been having. We're going to continue it further, Sacrificial Leadership in the Catholic Key. Um, we, we got into Frenchies last time, bud. We were talking about Rene Girard and these big ideas of the scapegoat. But hopefully, we can um, pay it off a little bit. Um, in the particular, probably got some—you know us, folks— get a little bit philosophical, uh, but try to land the plane about how it is that on the ground, leaders who believe uh, what the Catholic Church teaches, we think should have a bit different sort of leadership style precisely in imitating Jesus Christ in his self-emptying. So this is The Uncommon Good. We'll continue that right after this break. Stick around. We'll be back right after this. The Uncommon Good, Beaumont or Dr. Bud Marr, joining you this Wednesday. Thank you for listening to the show, Bud, to continue on our merry way, talking about um, uh, sacrificial leadership in the Catholic Church, how imitating Christ and his self-emptying nature should change how our leaders look. We have been m- marching down. Um, we, we hope everybody's been uh, had the chance to go listen to the former episodes, but we've been marching along really considering this idea that what it means to imitate Jesus, not only sort of theologically, but in his life and what he's done, what we know of Scripture, and we've sort of uh, brought in friends along the way, uh, Talib, Gerard, names that you don't have to know by heart, but have added theories that we hope um, make some of this more concrete. We promised last week in the show that this episode would be leading with our wounds. And so what do we mean by that? Because that can sound, I don't know, but unsanitary, perhaps, (laughs) at least painful. But I think one more time we turn to a fact about the reality of Jesus and then try to consider what that has to say to us about leadership here on earth. So when Jesus Christ is resurrected, after he has willingly become the scapegoat, he's resurrected, and in that resurrection, of course, he shows his power over life and death, but he also demonstrates the sort of ineffectiveness of the violence and division that all those turned against him uh, would do. He exposes the scapegoat mechanism that it indeed does not exhaust um, all of that uh, sort of opprobrium and and hate and, and, and evil, but that willingness to sort of suffer for others, to be set apart for others, like we said, that to be strong for the sake of the weak, as we said last show, allows for this to happen. But quite, In you know, very interestingly, but he doesn't get resurrected and sort of just throw this all to the side. We very much see in the resurrection episodes that he's resurrected with the wounds of his crucifixion. And indeed, even at the end of time in the apocalypse or the revelation of John, Christ still has his wounds. And you hear different saints talk about these as the five jewels of Christ's resurrected life, that he leads with his wounds even now in eternity But I guess the idea is, whatever else we're going to say about scapegoat being willing to take on uh, the division of a place when you lead it, this idea that that Christ leads even now in heaven with his wounds is both
2: paradoxical, but miraculous.
1: And I hope that that's what we're able to unpack today.
2: Yeah, this all kind of harkens back to some of what we discussed last week. So life on earth is characterized by strife and conflict. This happens in families. This happens in societies. It probably happens to some of you listening at your workplace. And the question is, when faced with that sort of reality, which inevitably comes our way, what do we do? And you mentioned leading with wounds, but we tend to think of woundedness as weakness. Um, It's like you're not up to the task in some ways. Jesus Christ became a willing sacrifice. And then, as you mentioned, even in heaven... To this day, where he's ruler of all, where he's he's king, he still bears those wounds in his body. What does that mean for us? Well, there are a lot of ways we could unpack this. I think immediately of um, the civil rights movement, and I'll I'll draw this back to something that's like applicable to our lives today. But I bring this up because you may be saying, "Well, Bud doesn't understand like really how bad my workplace is, (laughs) the kind of like challenges we're facing." Well, you know, I mean, a rough state of affairs is segregation in the middle part of the 20th century. And in in the face of that sort of injustice, it would be quite easy to loathe your enemies and to say, my goal is to attain victory over them and to make them pay for what they've done. And I think there were some figures who sort of adopted that modality. What you see in someone like, you know, I'll mention prominent ones like Rosa Parks, Martin Luther King Jr., is they confronted the one, the, the evildoers, they confronted those who were wronging them. They didn't resort to violence, and their goal was not simply to overcome and to punish, but they, like you said, Bo, willingly took on opprobrium or injustice. And in both Rosa Parks' case and MLK's, they were imprisoned you know, unjustly, and it wasn't until America saw someone like Rosa Parks lining up for, um, what's the profile picture you take in prison? Your- oh, a mugshot. A mugshot. Like, that sort of thing woke us out of the slumber that we were in. Now, translating this to your daily life is going to be kind of difficult sometimes, but you're going to have times at work where you face, we'll call them injustices, you see um, shortcomings in integrity, or you're just like you, you're, you're facing a challenge that seems insurmountable. How do we take that kind of leading with woundedness that Christ modeled in an exemplary manner, and then others throughout history have imitated, you know, especially the saints, of course— how do we live that sort of out uh, in our workplace, in our family life, etc.?
1: I think it's important to point out because it sure can sound like when we say things like be a servant leader, be a sacrificial leader, lead with your wounds, or lead with lead with woundedness, that it can sound like we're enabling. Yeah. That's the, one of the the, the the chief temptations is you're a doormat, you let people run over you, and then you enable them. But it's important, right, to, to, to ask what is it that we're going to be able to do to call attention to how the way of division, the way of hatred, the way of injustice doesn't work. And to oppose injustice with injustice, to fight fire with fire in this case, truly is just to perpetuate it. We talked about that last time with this mimetic contagion, this idea that there is no end to strife and that strife is a perpetual motion machine if you let it. Now, it's also the case that if you don't speak up to it and you don't say anything to confront it, that too enables it, lets it occur. But in all of these examples, we never see someone who just let people run them over. Christ was like a lamb to the slaughter, but spoke truth to Pilate, and when was confronted by the Sanhedrin, admitted who he was. And in his resurrection, not only does he show the power of God, but by remaining with those wounds, calls out the injustices of all time in showing the suffering of his cross. When you talk about your examples, Bud, for instance, in the civil rights movement, again, this was not let the people the, who were the, the, the white people running segregation and treating um, black Americans unjustly keep on doing it. It was to allow this to happen in very public venues to show it for what it was so that people could no longer act like it doesn't happen. In many ways, sacrificial leadership, by allowing that opprobrium, that division, that hatred, to fall on us to be the scapegoat momentarily, not because the scapegoat works, but to show uh, to to extinguish its power, is to in fact use this the tradition as it were against itself. Another civil rights figure, if you go back further, Frederick Douglass, in his very famous and one of the most powerful works written in America, uh, "What to the Slave Is the Fourth of July," his entire point was that America has ideals about how to treat people, and it has failed them miserably in how it has treated Africans that they have taken as slaves and brought over to the United States. And it's precisely by not ignoring it or pushing it to the side or trying to quietly integrate into society... Frederick Douglass had to run for his life not only to escape slavery, but when he spoke out and told about his life as a slave, he was under constant death threat and had to leave the the, the uh, America in order just to be safe. But he allowed that opprobrium to come onto him so that the evil and division could be exposed. Leading with woundedness, Bud, is actually a very strong thing to do. It is not the weak-willed who do it. It is not to be ran over or a doormat. It is to quite firmly place oneself in the middle of the most contentious aspects and let those things and divisions fall on us so that their incapacity to succeed can be exposed. The unjust one will fail. That's what Psalm 1 talks about, right? Wickedness is its own failure, but it must be exposed as such. Otherwise, people will keep on with the myth that violence and hatred division will be successful.
2: Yeah, another angle at this is last week we we talked about these different groups that and their relationship to Christ like the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Zealots, etc. And so you you start to begin to think to like the various like responsibilities that God sends our way. And there's the temptation to be a doormat. And I think with with the doormat approach, it can also be a kind of withdrawal, like either a sort of like lack of concern with what's in front of you or You know, some folks will say like, well, the problems are too big. I'm just going to go find something different or we're going to abandon education altogether. The flip side of that is more like the zealot mindset where I think for the zealot, like they see the injustices and they feel them strongly, but they, they sort of pin it on another person. And so that's the kind of like, I need to, so like thinking about our organizations, like if I just like, if I'm able to excise this one individual, like everything will be better. But a lot of these dynamics, they take on lives of their own. And in society, like the way that St. Paul talked about this is like as principalities and powers. But sometimes even like our families or our workplaces can become, they can become like overrun by dynamics that started out as like a personal vendetta and blew up into something greater. And so like what we're saying, Bo, is like if as Catholics we're committed to something like God has called us to heal people, we want to run hospitals, or God has called us to, educate others, and so we're going to run schools, those things will, they're going to face obstacles at different points in their history. And the question becomes, how can we we confront those head on without imitating the same sort of like, we can call them demonic, like the negative dynamics that they're perpetuating without abandoning the vocation to which we've been called. And sometimes, I mean, frankly, that does look like defeat in the present. So- You know, J.R. Tolkien, the author of The Lord of the Rings, he talked about the long defeat. And what's interesting is, like, God has designed the world in such a way that if you give wickedness long enough of a chance, it will defeat itself. Uh, Yeah, I won't get into how he, like, works this out in The Lord of the Rings. But, like, I I think, like, at this point in American history, like, sometimes we ask ourselves, can we continue to run hospitals? Can we continue to run schools? Because we're we're facing all these external pressures. Well, we don't have to worry about that. Like, we can be creative in the moment because we know – like, where victory ultimately resides. And if, you know, someone happens to shut down our school or whatnot, like, God will draw up something else from the ashes. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of jumping all over the place now.
1: No, I think that's actually a good way to enter into the break, precisely this idea that this is in the Lord's hands, and that's exactly how Jesus overcame the grave. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back right after this. <laughs> Beaumont and Doctor Bud Marr. joining you this Wednesday. Wonderful to have you with us, Bud. To try to land this, uh, you know, fantastic show. And I don't say that because I'm part of it. I'm saying that it's always wonderful when the Holy Spirit works out some of what we we know going in. We want to talk about something, and then it sort of works itself out. And one of these by talking about leading with wounds and leading with our wounds and leading with woundedness is precisely how you ended the last segment, talking about our willingness to fail in a way that other leaders and other aspects of the world can't because they don't have a faithfulness like Christ's. Christ knew that the Father had enwrapped him in his love. And so to go die on the cross, Christ had the faith to know that the the Father would rectify that in the resurrection. And so our ability to also lead with wounds is not only to take on the woundedness and division and sort of exhaust it and expose it and how people are treating us, but it's also to be willing to, to fail because of our faithfulness in ways that other places can't. And that, weirdly enough, to go back to uh, something we've talked about before, that makes us more anti-fragile than some people that have to be resilient. They have to stick to one thing, but we,
2: we, we die and resurrect as Catholic institutions all the time. Yeah, I was listening to a talk recently and the speaker pointed out that if you had witnessed the crucifixion at Calvary, when you went home to your family and friends, you would not say that you had witnessed a sacrifice. You would just witness a bloody execution of like a political radical. But Christ, through the celebration of the Last Supper, the, the institution, the Eucharist the night before, transformed this execution into a sa- sacrifice that was like an expression of God's great love for us. And I think about that in relationship to all the work that we're called to do bo as as Catholics as Christians like we can be like we can take risks that the world cannot because we know we'll ultimately be judged by faithfulness and not by other criteria so that means for instance with our hospitals we can welcome people and we we have to from all backgrounds regardless of sort of like their financial situation and paradoxically like to the eyes of the world that doesn't make sense like fiscally it just seems like so misguided And yet, paradoxically, like, people have turned to Catholic institutions over and over in history because we were characterized by that sort of abundant self-giving that didn't make sense to the world.
1: I mean, I think it's important to think here in Lent, uh, when we're recording this, that it's easy to think something like um, fasting is a sort of scarce resource management, but it's actually not, because what it actually is doing is saying, okay, don't get obsessed with the things that pass away, like the things of this world. Because there's actually an infinite, inexhaustible resource, which is the spiritual world and the love of God. And because we know in faith the inexhaustibility of that sacrificial, self-giving, self-pouring love, we can do like Christ does. We don't have to worry as much about the world hating on us. We don't have to worry about feeling like or looking like failures because we know with that great faithfulness that Christ... Uh, exemplified, that God is working in ways that we don't even have to see clearly, which is another thing, right, that if the world sees leaders as, like, all-knowing or, like, always knowing what to do, um, this great freedom of leading with our wounds should set us apart as much as that sounds risky and scary, bloody, and, and even painful. And I think that, like, that is a perfect way to wrap up, uh, the show. So, uh, You know, thank you for listening, and uh, this is The Uncommon Good. May Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, reign in our hearts, our family, our city, our state, our nation, uh, solar system, galaxy, the whole kit and caboodle. This is The Uncommon Good, and we'll be back next week. But if folks want to be a part of Iowa Catholic Radio and join in our prayer life, what are the ways that they can do so?
2: Yeah, as you continue to journey through Lent, please join us in praying. We broadcast the rosary at 6 a.m. and 10 a.m., the divine mercy chaplet at 2:55 p.m. and you can pray the rosary anytime anywhere using the iowa catholic radio app. If you want to make sure to keep up with all we're doing here at iowa catholic radio, that's
1: also easy to do. You can uh, interact with all of our social media. So iowa catholic radio uh, friends on facebook at ia catholic radio uh, on twitter. You can download the iowa catholic radio app, listen live uh, there as well. And you can go to iowacatholicradio.com, listen live, find out all that's going on and also donate to keep going uh, what's going on. Events in and around the diocese are there, too. For instance, Steve Ray is going to be in town uh, at different moments through April. Uh, Man Up Power, West Lunch, Friday, April 8th, for instance, as well. Um, We want to also, in July, July 24th, we have Scott uh, McCreary and special guest uh, Ali Colleen for the Iowa Events Center Ballroom. Um, But we also want to make sure, one more time, to invite you out to uh, mchs.edu slash flourish on April 6th to check what's going on with Charlie Camosi and the Center for Human Flourishing. Uh, all of that, you can go check out iowacatholicradio.com or call 515-223-1150 uh, to find out more or uh, donate as well. Bud, um, may your bracket shine brightly, and uh, hopefully uh, your uh, spring is sprunging in a good way as well. Yeah, thank you. So remember, folks, to pray for us here at Mercy College and uh, pray for uh, everyone in the diocese. This is The Uncommon Good. Bo Bonner, Dr. Bud Marr, and we will be back
0: next week. The Uncommon Good with Bo Bonner and Dr. Bud Marr is heard every week on wonderful Catholic stations like this one and anytime on podcasts. Just search for The Uncommon Good.
2: Support for Iowa Catholic Radio and The Uncommon Good provided by Mercy College of Health Sciences. Learn more at mchs.edu.
0: You're listening to Catholic Radio Indy's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. I'm Kent Blanford, and we'll be back with more right after this.
1: Catholic Radio Indy has a new look. It's our website. Yes, we have a new website that makes everything about Catholic Radio Indy easier. It's clean, straightforward, and simple to use. You can listen to us live, see our schedule, and our map. You can even silence your phone and take it right into Mass to follow the daily readings. And don't forget, you can get all of our programming through the podcast tab. This makes everything so much easier. So just go to CatholicRadioIndy.org and check us out.
3: Alexa,
4: what's the weather forecast for today?
0: Alexa, what time is the Colts game today?
4: Alexa, remind me to pick up the dry cleaning tomorrow.
0: Has Alexa become a part of your daily routine? then make sure that routine includes Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indie. Catholic Radio Indie. Quick, easy access to Catholic programming 24-7. Just say, Alexa, play Catholic Radio Indie. Catholic Radio Indie. Welcome back. Our next offering on the Lunchtime Podcast Sampler is another program from Iowa Catholic Radio. This show is roughly their local equivalent of Catholic Radio Indy's Faith in Action. This episode of Catholic Women Now looks at spiritual direction with Julie Nelson and Chris McGruder.
3: Talking about the things that matter most to you. Catholic Women Now. Well, welcome to Catholic Women Now. Thank you for being with us today here at the Catholic Women Coffee Table. Whether you're listening via the radio, streaming online, or with the Iowa Catholic Radio app, we're delighted you're choosing to spend your time with us. Hi, Leslie. How are you? Good. I'm so happy to be here again. I know. I'm so excited about our show topic today. It's for everybody, and we're going to talk about spiritual direction. What is spiritual direction? How do you find a spiritual director? What's it? What's the experience like? What what you should expect? Um a lot of things that questions that come up, and I think more and more people are searching for spiritual directors. From when I talk to my friends and I'm out in the community, so I, so,
4: yes. Once they find out about spiritual direction, then it, it impels them to want to have a spiritual director. So, that's right.
3: Yeah. So this is one of our unplugged shows; we call it um, where we don't have a guest and we're doing it ourselves. So, um, like I said, I'm excited, and I know Leslie, you've got some great experiences of having spiritual direction over the years yes. too, as well. So very, it's very important to me.
4: Well, let's start with prayer and we're going to ask for the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit amen i'm going to ask for the blessed lady's intercession because the lord can refuse her nothing so i'll ask her to protect and guide the show and all the listeners as we say hail mary full of grace the lord is with thee blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb jesus holy mary mother of god pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death amen name of the father son
3: holy spirit amen Boy, when you were praying that and saying that, Leslie just had this image of the Blessed Mother just smiling <laughs> with her arms wide out, like she's got all her children, all of us in her in her fold. She's right? got us covered. She does. Well, the Eucharistic miracles of the world display can be viewed at the Basilica of St. John, February 8th to the 23rd. That is through the Iowa Catholic Radio. It has this beautiful display of all the Eucharistic miracles. Yes, and banners. It, banners. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in bringing it to your church or organization, just call us here at Iowa Catholic Radio, then we can arrange that for you. Yes, they will be available
4: through Iowa Catholic Radio. And the next man up, the one in January, got canceled because of our snowstorm. So I think they're the same speaker, but the next Man Up is um, Man Up West Power Lunch. is Friday, February 11th at noon at St. Francis in West Des Moines. And the speaker is Matt Wilkham, our own executive director here at Iowa Catholic Radio. And Matt will be discussing developments at the radio station. There's lots of exciting things going on, including the new office, which we are where we are right now. And it's beautiful. Uh, The chapel, which is also beautiful. The display of Eucharistic Miracles and plans to improve the station's coverage in the diocese and throughout the state. And after that, there'll be discussion about ways that men can prepare for Lent, giving up something for Lent like fasting, attending daily Mass, attending Eucharistic adoration, spiritual reading, etc., and lunches always provided by Chick-fil-A, in West Des Moines, and if you abstain from meat on Fridays, you're welcome to
3: bring your own lunch. It's hard to believe you're talking about Lent. And, I know. You know. It's March second, and February is a short month. So it'll gonna, go fast. It'll go fast. So I got to start thinking about what Lent, you're going to do. what, what I'm going to do? Yeah. Mm. Uh, also, remember to like Iowa Catholic Radio on Facebook. We have a fun Friday Facebook fun thing where we give something away after we post a comment or a question, and you comment, and you get uh, your Name in to win a prize of some kind. It's mm-hmm. some fun every Prices week. Prizes are good. Prices are good. Yeah. Free is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like us on I uh, like Iowa Catholic Radio on Facebook, and I know our staff here does a great job with the social media and keeping that active and going. So yes, yeah, they it's, do. It's fun. It's a lot of fun to read through that. All right. Well, we have more to come here on Catholic Women Now on Iowa Catholic Radio. Welcome back to Catholic Women, now here in Iowa Catholic Radio. Today's show topic is spiritual direction, and we're going to explore several aspects of spiritual direction, the practical, and from our own experience of receiving spiritual direction. So let's dive in. I'm like excited about this topic. Me too. And it's for everybody. That's yes, what I like to So just basic, what is spiritual direction? Well, you know, spiritual direction is just working with a guide to help you pursue uh, a life of holiness to deepen your spiritual life to help with your devotions your prayer life um you know maybe times you've been on a retreat and you've had spiritual direction on a retreat and that's great and that's excellent it's always great if you can continue with the long term a spiritual direction on a regular basis
4: yeah when we were talking about this earlier Julie i think spirit, we we spoke about how spiritual re- direction is walking with your director on your path to holiness.
3: Yes, the role of the spiritual director is to accompany. Yeah, to and accompany to listen and yes. listen. Just like uh Jesus accompanies us or co- accompanied the apostles, Mary accompanies us. You're the right. saints accompany us. Yes. Someone here on earth that you can talk to and see,
4: but they're they're there for guidance and yes. and direction and to help you with your struggles in your in your spiritual life, um, mm-hmm. whether it's consolation or desolation, which I know we're going to talk
3: about. Yeah, we are going to talk about that in a little uh-huh. bit. But I think another question that comes a lot, up a lot is, what is the difference between counseling— and spiritual direction. Yeah. And I that's a bit, and that's a really good question. Because they're not the same. They're not the same at all. No. And a spiritual director should not get into counseling uh counseling at all. No. It is two different dynamics going on. But you know, spiritual direction, as we just talked about, is about the spiritual life. It's your relationship with God and the movement of the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's and, and in spiritual direction, it's not unusual s- for the director to start noting, you know, you might notice too in your direction that there's um, emotional patterns or fears that are obstacles that come to our holiness. Yeah, and the personality, personality is going to
4: come out in the spiritual direction because you're affected in ways because of. Your personality and how you, you know, how you react to things. So
3: Yeah. And and it can all go back to the way we were raised, uh, experiences, circumstances, things that have happened to us all shape who we are and how we view the world Mm -hmm. and how we see the world. And sometimes we see it through some hurts and some maybe some strong emotional burdens. So that's. So when that happens, then that's when counseling is recommended, and a a spiritual director can often recommend the directee to consider counseling. And the counselor then helps them to work through and resolve the problems in like life relationships, you know, like past relationships, and they will help you to explore your emotions and how your thoughts interact with your feelings. So the best way it's explained to me was. A counselor, we're on this path, right? Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's these big boulders in the path. This is the path God has us on. Right. And we're searching the direction on that path. And a counselor comes in and removes the boulders so that God can come Things in. That are and impeding
4: your impeding your ability mm-hmm. to move forward.
3: Yes. So mm-hmm. you can move past it. Um, mm-hmm. Oftentimes, if you're constantly going, um in reconciliation, you're constantly just confessing the same sin over and over again. Chances are there's something there to go deeper. I'm not saying it's counseling, but if there's something there to go deeper, there might be a boulder there right. to work out. To, That's not always the same case because as Father yeah. Ricardo would say, what do you want, new sins? If you're, yeah.
4: you know, if you're yeah. saying the same things over and over again. But. Yeah.
3: And we have to remember the Holy Spirit is living and active in both of these things right. as well. And I, I've always preferred Catholic counselors because oh. it helps people. Because they'll bring the spirituality into it and the faith in yeah. the teachings of the faith. But
4: I think a good spiritual director would have training to know when there's counseling needed on top of the spiritual. Direction. That's right. And I think you can do both together. Correct. Right. But um, a, a good spiritual director would lead you in that way. But you're not necessarily you aren't necessarily going to find a counselor that would have that spirituality aspect. So.
3: So with, when you're talking about, it, they can be both. And sometimes, um, with the permission of the directee, always with their permission, mm-hmm. um, the counselor and the uh, director can work together and, and collaborate to help the directee to move forward. I know I've had people tell me that when they've had those two together, their, their spirituality boomed. It went faster. I mean, it just, it could move quicker. Right. And, uh, make more strides in their holy life and yeah. pursuit that, of holiness. Yeah, there? that makes sense. Mm-hmm. That makes mm-hmm. sense. So what is the difference between consolation and desolation? This is a a St. Ignatius principle from Ignatian spirituality, and uh, consolation is what uh, God gives us, consolation in order to strengthen us and draw us closer to himself, Um, and then he allows the desolation to purify us from inordinate attachments.
4: When I think of consolation, I think about the times that I've just been filled with joy and peace that... I can't even explain. I guess those are moments of great consolation, you know. When I, I think about moments I've had in the Adoration Chapel, when I've just been—I don't want to be anywhere but here—and it just feels so good. You have this
3: incredible experience of God's love, right, in, going, in you. Yes. yes,
4: and and you know, and then when things are going smoothly, we can say we're in consolation. But then there's desolation,
3: mm-hmm. and there's a connection between so two these, these two things because. Um, Saint Ignatius tells us that, that the, uh, when the soul is inflamed with this love and consolation, um, then it can use this time to fall back on when desolation hits. And when in the desolation, where you're not sure where God is in your life and you're like struggling with, your, with hearing his voice and knowing his discerning that, you can call upon that consolation. It's kind of like fighting, it's fight, kind of like in peacetime, you prepare for war. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, I, you know, I really recommend people journaling those times during consolation because you forget when you get in those difficult moments of life where God is asking you to maybe he's actually it's actually desolation's a beautiful gift. He's actually ready, you're ready for God to come deeper into your heart and to help heal some more things. And um but you, to write those things down because you forget when you're in desolation and you read those you and, back, and it, it's memory stones. And
4: that's something also you can bring to your spiritual director and they can help you sort through what the desolation exactly it, what the desolation was, you know, is it something that you're doing, or is it something that's being done to you that's bringing you to that point, and then help you be able to see why, how, you know, how you've gotten to this place of desolation, and then you can
3: start working your way out of it. That's right. That's right. And a lot of times, a spiritual director will help you remember, encourage you from oh, the consolation. Yes. has done that. Yeah, to the to the desolation. Mine which, has done that. You know, yes. because it's so funny. It's you know, we know that in our heads, but we get into our heart where God speaks to us in our heart, and all those things get pulled up like emotions and, you know, relationships and things like that. And it's just so funny to, you know, it's just so simple because your director will say something and it's like, poof, oh, yeah, right.
4: Right. And I think when you're aware of consolation and desolation, then too you can bring, you are more focused on when you're in those times that, oh, yeah, this is really bad, but I know that there's a light at the end of the tunnel because the Lord has brought me out of these times before. That's right. You know, or when you're in consolation, you're like, Okay, I it, you know life isn't perfect and I just need to prepare myself like you said getting ready for war for when those times come which brings up the really good point when you're in a time of desolation and I'm sure this is from the Ignatian spiritual exercises a good director would say don't change anything. Mm-hmm. You know no rash decisions. Yeah, just or, or don't change your prayer life. Keep doing those things even if you don't feel like it.
3: Yeah, and you know when and when you don't feel like it that is actually a great sacrifice to yes. God. Loves, he delights in us coming to him in those moments when it's hard. Yeah, when you 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 know you say your rosary every day, and you're like, oh, I'm not going to say it,
4: and you do, but you don't feel it. Mm-hmm. You don't. It just becomes, you know, you're just saying the prayers and not even feeling it. That's that. You know, the Lord understands that, and He's just happy.
3: That you're that you're still pursuing that. Yes, he's got the biggest smile on his face. Just think of him smiling at you as you're like (gasps) praying that rose and (laughs) over. Or if you go to adoration,
4: you're sitting there going, "Really, why am I here?
3: Yeah, you can't even. You're so distracted, but you're there. You're there in his presence." Well, okay. So we got. Let's go on real quick before we take a break here and talk real quick about um, what to expect when you're first starting with a spiritual director. I think that's a big question. Um, usually, the first meetings, first few meetings, are just getting to know each other. Um, you know, this is a trust-building thing. It's. Um, I usually tell people four to five months, and we'll yeah, you, see need can, you need to give it some time. Give it some time, evaluate it, and see how it goes. I mean, there'll be some small talk and lighthearted humor. Just getting. To, to, they, to the, you need to get to know each other. Yeah, because you know you're you're. you're it's very vulnerable. You're bearing your soul to somebody, mm-hmm. and you wanna you wanna be um, comfortable with them. And then um, when you go to, when you find a spiritual director, it's really important that you um, make them worthwhile, their time worthwhile in years too, and go do, and go regularly, and go regularly, yeah, I go and, once a month, and and keep your appointment. And I mean, things come up and stuff like that. And but I to, know,
4: I feel like when well, I know when I need to. Yes, it's I, like oh, it's, my time is coming up. It's like yes, um, I need to. I need to talk to my
3: spiritual director again. And if you don't feel like you have anything, go because you could be in consolation, and oh, that's where God really works. That's happened to me so many times. That's where we're open to hearing and Him we, more. And
4: all, I've just said I don't know what to talk about, and the Lord has led the discussion, which He's supposed to be doing anyway. And a good yeah. di- spiritual right. director will yes, tell you Holy that the Holy Spirit guiding you. And both. we talk about things that just are sometimes aha moments for me. Mm -hmm. That I didn't even have in my mind before I went there. I know, isn't that beautiful? I know, it's so beautiful.
3: And that docile heart's important because, you know, you know, God is using, is working through your spiritual director and take heart what some of those things that they may suggest to you. Um, another thing that comes up is compensation. You know, do I pay my spiritual director or not? For one thing, if it's a lay director, it's not rude to ask them. Um, about money if they get compensated yeah. um, and but most priests and religious um, do not ask for it because it's part of their ministry and vocation but right. so a, lot, a lot of lay directors will assess a fee sometimes it's lighting scale it kind of depends on what they want um, always pray for your spiritual director always. they're praying for you so you should I always don't think pray about for that th- enough that's a good reminder You should always for pray me. for your spiritual director as well and one last thing before we go to a break is What if it doesn't click? What if it doesn't click with your spiritual director? Be honest and be authentic with your spiritual director. That spiritual director... A good spiritual director will want what's best for you to grow in holiness. And if that's not them, then they will be open to honest and say, I understand. And uh, yeah, go pursue somebody who God wants you to have. So, So we have more about spiritual directors. We're going to talk about how to find a spiritual director when we come back from this break. This is Catholic Women Now on Iowa Catholic Radio.
0: Thought of the Day with Monsignor Frank Bagnano. Why do people with
1: real genuine faith seem to be people of peace? People who have peace. Because faith in God's unconditional love gives them hope. What is real hope? It's trust that he's right there, close, involved in our lives. One of the saints wrote, faith brings what seems hopeless within our reach. And then added, the person of faith is not one who believes that God can do everything but one who believes that God can obtain everything for me. If you believe in God's unconditional personal love for you, then you can believe that you can obtain everything from God. That's faith. Faith is the mother of hope, real hope. And from hope, peace is born in the human soul. And that is today's thought of the day.
3: having a discussion about spiritual direction, what it is, what to expect. And now we're going to go in and talk a little bit more about how do you find a spiritual director?
4: And I do want to say, just Julie and I were talking during the break, that she's very knowledgeable on this subject of spiritual direction, what it is. It's because Julie is a spiritual director. She's a trained spiritual director for how long now? Uh, three years. Three years, and she has people that, she, that mm-hmm. she directs and that she walks with, Yes, and um, I am not a spiritual director, but I have been going to spiritual direction for several years. I have, there's a priest that comes in from Chicago here at Des Moines, from the Legionaries of Christ, and he is awesome, and I just understand the value of going. So that's kind of where we're both coming from when we were discussing
3: this. That's right. So, so I, it, um and I only ask, uh, offer that be about myself is because I'm this kind of person who's like, "Oh, what kind of authority does that person have to speak on?" So now right. I feel a a relief that, you know, this person knows what they're talking about. But you about. went
4: to spiritual direction yeah, for I a long went to time to, and then you felt that calling. Yeah, So you can have a a spiritual director can be a priest or
3: religious, or it can also be a layperson. Mm-hmm. So. And I've had all three in my life, and they've all been there at a time when that's what I needed. Right. You know, sometimes I needed a, a a female just to visit and just to have that connection on a female level. And then I've had um, priests, and priests have given me that perspective of the Father,
4: Yes, because
3: that was something weak in my life growing up. So it's, it's, it, God does guide you to where you need to go, which we're going to talk a little more about. So the first thing to do is pray. I know. Yeah, it sounds so simple, but you want to pray and ask God to open the door, I think, and to guide your search. I think the Lord puts that longing
4: in your heart for a spiritual direction. Some people don't even know that that's out there, but if I, some if you hear about it and you have this longing, and that's what I had, you don't necessarily find someone right away because they're not easy to find. It's not like going to confession where you can you know go to a church that's having confession. You, you mean you really have to look for a spiritual director, but that longing can be, be the beginning of the process. So don't get frustrated when you don't find someone right away. That's Just right. Keep
3: taking it to the Lord. That's right. Yeah. And you know you can ask around. You know, ask your Bible study leader, ask mm-hmm. your parish priest. Um, for any recommendations, maybe yes. you have a friend who has a director, you can ask her. Yes. All right. And also, um, you can go to the Diocese of Des Moines website. They do have a page there of a list of spiritual directors under Faith and Ministries through um, the office of uh, John Gaffney. Oh, yes. So there's some, and there's the Emmaus house here in town too. Yes. So the other next thing you want to be, um, looking for is you want to make sure, um, beware of faulty spirituality. And, um, one of the documents we read in our class is on the Vatican website called Jesus Christ, the bearer of the water of life, a Christian reflection on the new age. So, I mean, um, New Age kind of seeps into everything right now oh, no. and a lot of things in our in our Catholic Church, and it's very insidious sometimes. And um, the Catholic Church has all the wisdom a soul could need right there in the catechism and the teachings. And spiritual directors can turn to teachings and practices from other religions and even discard some Catholic wisdom in the process, and that can be dangerous. So you want to be really, you know— Ask the ask questions, and if you have some kind of concerns, then you you feel free to find, seek a different director yes. if you'd like. Um, I know in our class, one of the things we got into is enneagrams. That's a big thing right now too, and it's what are those? Well, well that's another show. Okay, but yeah, um, look it up. But it is a very dangerous thing, and it's
4: very insidious. And, the, and you know, this it seeps into the Catholic Church. So I think yeah, you know, it does. you just you pray? You know, before you meet with that person, you know, for. Just guidance and wisdom from the Lord, and is this the right person for me? That's right. You know, are they
3: are they going to give me the guidance that you want me to have, Lord? Another thing, and this is an interesting question too, that you might you'll ask you'll want to ask your um, spiritual director what kind of prayer life they have. Are they you know what are their devotions like, like looking like and stuff? And also ask them if they have a relationship with Mary.
4: Oh, never thought
3: of that. Yeah, I know. I just
4: assume that with a priest, but I can tell because he talks about Mary a lot. Right. But I mean,
3: if you're somebody you don't know that, you you know, you're just you maybe pulled off a website or you're just someone, you know. Um, Why why is that important? Because, you know, if they're going to take that not seriously, then you wonder if they're going to really hold... Much of the Catholic, how much of the Catholic faith they'll hold in esteem. Um, if they dismiss Mary or just don't think she's important. Because yeah, Mary that makes is, sense. Because like you said in our beautiful prayer, she takes our prayers and perfectly presents and them. And he can a, refuse her And nothing. he can refuse them. So yeah. that's an important thing too, which I don't think people think about at all. Right. So yeah, to look at that. And then ask them where their training is um, as well. And you look up the program they went to and, and look at that as well. And one other thing I want to say is, what if you feel like you're being called to be a spiritual director? Um, I, you know, pray about that. Hopefully, you are seeking regular spiritual direction yourself now. Now not, I think start, You would have to be participating. Start, in that. I mean, I, I have a regular spiritual director, and also another thing is um, we have a supervisory group that meets once a month, and um, we support each other, like you know. Resources. I get a lot of great resources from these women. They're from all over the country. There's nobody here in Iowa that I meet with, which is another nice thing. It's one of those um, boundary issues for me. Yes. Um, speaking of boundary issues, um, I have we. I have a, a confidentiality agreement we sign that uh, we're both held accountable to. Um, I do not divulge who I'm seeing. So would that just would it kind of be the same as confession
4: that you're not going to? right I don't, i'm not gonna
3: reveal anything yeah right and yeah and i don't even reveal who i'm seeing now it's like it's like the hippolas. laws right the directee can t- say who they're seeing but I, I do not reveal anything like that and i have other things i, I don't see men i, uh-huh. don't, I don't direct men uh-huh. um and i'm careful about you know close friends that type of thing too as well yeah. i discern that very carefully so yeah yeah that so. makes sense
4: Wow. Well, this is great. This went really fast. This went super
3: fast. I so. just
4: can't tell you how much I love spiritual direction and what a great gift it has been in my life and my walk.
3: I would agree. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been years I've gone to, gone to a spiritual director. And I will say this. I want to say one more thing, and then we, we need to, to close this out. But um, the times in my life where I wasn't walking with a spiritual director, my decisions were faultier than the time when I did have a spiritual director. And I can see a big difference in how my spiritual life progressed or didn't progress. Right. So. All right. Well, great topic, spiritual direction. This is uh, Catholic Women Now, and we're broadcasting from the Iowa Catholic Radio Network studio. So let's close with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear Lord Jesus, good and gracious God, we just ask that you continue to guide us and direct us. Let us know your ways. Let us be attentive to your voice. And Lord, we just pray for all those out there who may be seeking spiritual direction to guide them and bring them to the person that you're leading them to. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Father, and the Son, and and the Holy Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. We appreciate your financial support here at Iowa Catholic Radio, and please consider a gift. Faith on Trial with Deacon Mike Mano and Gina Knoll is up next. Now go do impossible things with God. Today's Catholic Women. I'm the voice for Catholic Women Now. Iowa Catholic Radio.
0: And we just have a little bit of time left, so let's go to Joan Watson in Three Minute Theology answering the question Why Latin?
5: Someone asked me a really good question the other day. Why is Latin the language of the church if it's the language of the people who persecuted the early Christians? That's a great question. And notice that I said Latin is the language of the church, not that it was. It still is today the official language of the Catholic Church. Some of the most important documents issued by the Pope and the Holy See are officially written in Latin. The original editions of the liturgical books of the Roman Rite are all still written in Latin. And yes, I hear that even the ATM in the Vatican has an option for Latin. So why? Let's look at this. Well, Latin has been the language of the church for 16 centuries. Prior to this, the language most used was Greek. Early Christian worship was in Greek and Aramaic and Syriac and Coptic and Armenian. But by the 3rd and 4th centuries, the language of the Roman Empire was Latin. St. Jerome translated the Bible, which we now call the Vulgate, in the late 4th century. And so by 394, the official language of the church was Latin. It was the language of the people. For almost 1600 years now, the church has worshipped in Latin, taught in Latin, and made official pronouncements in Latin. In fact, she still does. Why? Well, in 1962, Pope St. John XXIII wrote an apostolic constitution on the study of Latin, and in that, he gave a few reasons why Latin is the language of the Church. First, it's universal. So just like the Catholic Church, it doesn't belong only to a certain time, or only to a certain place. It's an international language unattached to a particular country. and it's dead. I know that sounds kind of funny, but since the language is no longer living, Latin is no longer changeable. Think about it. Words in the English language can be pretty fluid. The meaning can change because we're using it and we're adapting it to our culture. Trends change language, but a dead language isn't changing, and so ultimately it lends to clearer and less ambiguous Something that's important, right? We want to be clear. We want to be not ambiguous when we're defining things, when we're making official pronouncements. I remember standing in St. Peter's Square in line for the Easter Vigil and the crowds were getting really thick and anxious and impatient and suddenly someone started singing their national anthem. And we all took turns, this lasted for a while, each group took turns singing their national anthem and it really quieted down the anxious crowd. It was a beautiful witness to that universal nature of the church. And then someone started singing the Hail Holy Queen in Latin, the Salve Regina. And suddenly hundreds of people joined in. The same people who had represented dozens of different countries singing their national anthem, now we're all singing in union. And that was a beautiful testament to the unity of the church. And that's a little theology in three minutes.
0: That's all the time we have for this week's Lunchtime Podcast Sampler. This episode, along with links to more of the podcasts we've shared, is available at catholicradioindy.org. I'm Kent Blanford, and until next time, may God bless.
4: You can hear the Holy Mass every day at 8 a.m. right here on Catholic Radio Indy.
0: Did you miss something in this show or just want to hear it again? Podcasts of this and all our other great local programs are available 24-7 at catholicradioindeed.org.